Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 81 of Season 4 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a hilarious and poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal Meg Ryan rom-com when Harry Met Sally, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is actually a very special group of guests because finally we have a married couple on together. So I'd like to welcome Roger and Marcy Wister of the Roadhouse Minute, of 12, day, 12 Days of White Christmas, and also of Speed Minute, or at least Rogers from the Speed Minute. Uh, welcome welcome to the show, guys. Hi, Hi Rob. Thanks for having us. Yeah. I'm really, Rob, I'm really excited you had us on. I was just telling you before we started recording, I'm happy that you had us on to talk about these minutes, because these are like the relationship fighting minutes. I feel like it's appropriate you have a married couple on to talk about this. Maybe we'll dissect them. I agree with you. I, I just hope I, you know you guys don't uh, you know start fighting because of that oh no (laughs) no we'll have to try and keep away from that you know you know them's fighting words but we're gonna keep keep as far away from those we've learned how to do that constructively it only takes lots of therapy yeah (laughs) okay that's fine and harry and sally just aren't there yet so you know it'll take them a few more years till they reach that point where they you know where they're they're able to to have a normal conversation in public like this but we'll, we'll get there we'll get there so minute 81 begins with Harry making a slightly rude gesture and ends with Sally uh, acting furiously. <laughs> so we ended things on Friday with uh, Harry and Harry coming over to Sally at Jess and Marie's wedding and starting to, you know, ask her about her life, what's going on. You know, they they apparently for three weeks haven't really had much to talk about uh, because of this little... Uh, riff that they that they have that we talked about a few weeks ago and at this point harry says to sally you know that uh you know it's been three weeks you should already get get over it and he says you know it's like with dogs how seven years for a dog is is or one year for a dog is seven years for humans or something like that you know that whole thing and sally just turns to him and at the beginning of this minute (laughs) He gives like a very flashy smile, you know, indicating that he is referring to her <laughs> because and it, it's not really very nice the way that he does it. You know, it's it's funny because Billy Crystal is hilarious with, uh, you know, he knows how to make the, the right facial uh, expressions here. You know, there's no question about that. He gives like a little smile and puts his hands out as if to say, <laughs> we're talking about you. And then. Sally says to him, is one of us supposed to be a dog in this scenario? And he goes, yes. Who is the dog? You are. I am. I am the dog. Mm-hmm. I am the dog. I don't see that, Harry. If anybody is the dog, you are the dog. You want me to act like what, what happened didn't mean anything? And then, I mean, basically, this is just a continuation of the the conversation on Friday, but but it really fits in well because you know it starts off cordially on Friday. What what they, we talked about was was a more cordial uh, discussion between the two of them, even though she doesn't really want to have anything to do with him, and you know he is trying to get his friend back, you know that type of thing. But he basically crosses the line with his dog comment and then his uh, gesture at the beginning of, of this minute. Do, do you guys both agree with that? You know, it's an interesting question. So, so Marcy, I, when I was rewatching these minutes for our, our appearance this week, I was trying to go back and forth between sort of who I thought was 
in the right or in the wrong here. And I would say, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say, on the whole, I think Harry is in the right. But, like, man, this is not a good way to try to communicate this to someone who you think is your best friend. You think he's Correct. in the right because he's been trying to call her and make amends this whole time, and she's been kind of blowing him off and ignoring him? I think, in general, the conversation that they start to have today and finish having tomorrow, I feel like it's like she's blaming him for what happened between the two of them and also for, like, how 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 big a deal she's making it. Um, but Do you there's... think that that she's upset because, well, like, she's upset because he left and it is his pattern to leave women. And so she got that done to her and she was probably expecting something different to happen after they had sex with each other. Like, she looked super happy after it happened, and he looked terrified. And now, like, he's followed the same pattern that he does with every other woman that she's known about. And, you know, she's stuck being just another woman to him. Well, I sort of I sort of wanted to interject here because I, 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 I agree on the one hand with what you're saying there, Marcy. But on the other hand, you know, he did stay till the morning. You know, the the stories that we heard from him beforehand was that he would get up in the middle of the night to go, you oh, know, yeah. give an excuse that he needs to go to the gym or needs to go clean his andirons or something like that. So, you know, he was terrified, but I think he was terrified because, you know, he was concerned about the fact that he's now their their friendship is ruined. Well, I guess they both I think that was they what both are such great actors that like you can tell when they're comfortable with each other and you can tell them when they're completely not comfortable. And so even though Correct. he stayed till the morning, he was so uncomfortable throughout that whole thing. And you, you know, the, no, I agree with you on that. Um, it's, I don't think it's going to register to her like, Oh, he stayed an extra few hours, but still he blew her off the same way that he would have with somebody else. Um, and they're, I mean, they're fantastic. Like he comes, you know, up to her in this moment and they're looking at each other across the, the wedding hall as their friends are getting married. And she's just like super jittery and uncomfortable and just crawling out of her skin to see this guy. And so um, she, you just see the anxiety about the situation kind of bubbling over in her. I guess my point is yeah. it seems like Harry is attempting to at least try to dissect and analyze what has happened between the two of them. I don't feel like Sarah, Sally's doing a good job of processing at all. I don't think that she was behaving rationally that night when they were together or afterwards. Like if she thought that somehow that meant that they were now about to like couple up, I think that that was like wildly off base. And like, I guess his point is like, look, this happened three weeks ago. Why can't we just talk about it? Mm. And and she, you know, you hear this. I, I don't know if this is in today's minute or tomorrow's minute, but, you know, this is where, like, uh, he says something like, you know, uh, she says something like, well, you're behaving like this doesn't mean anything. And he says, well, I'm not saying that. I just don't see why it has to mean everything. Mm hmm. Like, I don't think that Correct. that's actually the next line of what we were about to right. say. I don't I, I, don't, you know, I don't see why this I don't see why this sex between them should be treated in the same way as any encounter they would have with anybody that theoretically they were romantically pursuing. No, but on the other hand, you know, they both came to, to their dinner date 
you know, the night after having sex and they both felt, I mean, they tell us beforehand, you know, with, with the voiceovers that neither one of them is the, that both of them are both hoping that the other one is going to say that they, you know, don't think that this was a, they, that they think this was a mistake. Yeah, that's, that's true. So that's true. That's a fair point. So again, it's been three weeks. They, they realized, they both realized they made a mistake. You know, and they both admitted to the fact that they made the mistake. But I w- and they somehow seemed relieved about it. But on the other hand, Sally still wants more, and Harry just wants the friendship back. I would say, as a do man, you think he just wants the friendship back though? Like that man from the get go yeah. has wanted her in a different way than that. No, really. But, but for him, it was always it, from the get go. He just wanted a one night stand with her. He didn't want her to be the one. Uh, yeah. I think that's what that's what scares him. You know, what scares him is that she's the one. I don't yeah. think that at this point in their friendship, he is romantically pursuing her. No, he, he was he was I think he was very comfortable with the fact. I mean, we've already discussed the fact that it's they they became friends in the bookstore sometime, let's say, late September, early October. And this is already more than a year later because we established last week that this wedding is somewhere between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Well, we know it's not Christmas yet, so it's some, some somewhere around Thanksgiving time. Okay, so it's been over a year that the two of them have been best friends, and at some point, you know, three weeks before the wedding, so it could be that it was exactly a year that they knew each other. You know, that's when she had her breakdown because of Joe, and then they had sex, and that was the end of their friendship. He was very comfortable with their friendship. You know, he Jess was so jealous of their friendship. When he was telling Jess about, you know, all the things that he's able to to say to Sally and get her feedback. Right. You know, the type of friendship that, you know, <laughs> that neither one of them realizes that's the type of friendship that one wants in a marriage. So, yeah, I mean, so getting back to what I was saying originally, like, I, I think I think in general, Harry is probably in the right in this conversation. But you shouldn't begin this conversation like th- this is a very ill-timed joke on his part i'm not sure that there's any good time for this particular joke with a woman but definitely not right now yeah okay i agree with you on that i mean i i think that that uh, to, to try and clarify what you're saying is is that harry has the right intentions he's just not expressing them properly as a man who's done that, that very frequently i can attest i i feel i feel kinship with him in this minute <laughs> You, you've you've called someone a dog like that? No, uh, not specifically. Not. <laughs> let's let's just say that sometimes our intentions are good. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, isn't that what they say? Of course, yes, that is definitely true. So the conversation continues, and you know, Sally says, "You want to act like what happened didn't mean anything," and then Harry says, "I'm not saying it didn't mean anything. I'm I am saying why does it have to mean everything? Because it does." And you should know that better than anybody because the minute that it happened, you walked right out the door. I didn't walk out. No, sprinted is more like it. We both agreed it was a mistake. The worst mistake I ever made. Now, one of the things I love about this conversation, and I've talked about this many times, you know, this is pre-West Wing. But throughout this movie, there are so many conversations that happen as people are on the go. (laughs) And even, even this argument works that way. Yeah, it's nice. It's dynamic like that. You know, there's a point there's a point in the middle of the conversation where Sally turns to him and, you know, uh, basically motions with him with her finger that they should be 
moving somewhere else a little more private. I was glad you brought that up because you I know. think that's my favorite part of this minute is when she turns back and makes this like very yeah. come hither uh, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> motion with her finger. I feel like it's something that like a 10 year old would try to uh, it's like a it, it seems like a very juvenile gesture like come here. <laughs> it's a juvenile gesture, but it makes sense. Yeah, no, but I for her to say to, for her to do that. It's here. funny the way that Meg Ryan does it is my point. Yes, I agree. I agree. And then as she's continuing, she then once again takes him even further away from the crowd and they, they end up going into the kitchen in order to have more privacy, which is really funny because, you know, you have all this, the chefs and the, the waiters and cooks and everyone in there listening in on their conversation. So that sort of doesn't give them as much privacy as, as one would expect. It's like the, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie where they're walking into the very first diner talking about like how she hasn't actually had good sex with somebody. And then she's right. in the middle of the diner screaming, I've had good sex. Sheldon. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sheldon the Wonder Song. There's two. There's... Yeah, and then and then there's quiet in that in in that cafe. It's like quiet as she says that, yeah. so everyone hears that. But that that's movie. Uh, you know, that's movie magic from that perspective. I doubt that that would really happen in real life when someone would be in the middle of a cafe and it just happens to be that there's dead silence mm. when you make a comment like that. You know, that that was just for the laugh. But, no, but nobody pays attention to them in the kitchen. Marcy, did you notice? That no, Sa- not at all. Marcy, did you notice that Sally is holding a flower in this minute, but she decides to chuck it away on their way to the kitchen? It is not a flower. That's Roger. not a flower. It's a what is it? Pea with shrimp. It's a that's the shrimp. pea with shrimp. Oh, you're right. Was... Thank you. You're right. And she just throws that's it. That's the pea pod. Pea pod with shrimp. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I noticed yeah. that she chucked it. On, she chucked it on the way to the kitchen. Yeah. Well, because she doesn't want people in the kitchen to see that she's. Uh... You know, not eating the the hors d'oeuvres that they've given her. Oh, I think she's just pissed. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, no, of it, course. Now it's no, of course. <laughs> exactly. And then <laughs> Harry says, "What do you want from me? I don't want anything from you. Fine, fine. But let's get one thing straight. I did not go over there that night to make love to you. That is not what I is not why I went there. But you looked up at me with those big weepy eyes. Don't go home tonight, Harry. Hold me a little longer, Harry. What was I supposed to do?" What are you saying? You took pity on me? No, I was. And that's basically how the minute will end. The minute. Yeah, but which is a great spot for the ending of that minute, for sure. I guess my point, going back to what I was saying earlier, um, is like, I feel like a lot of the stuff that Sally says in this minute is not like, I don't know, it just, it just doesn't seem like a constructive adult thing to say. Like, she's like, you know, well... Because it does like like what kind of an answer is that to that question or like I don't want anything from you Harry like she doesn't she seems like she's still processing like she hasn't figured out how she wants to handle this whole situation. Well, she's, okay, Marcy, how do you see that? I, like I feel <laughs> like she's because I want to hear the female perspective on this one. She's being very reasonable here. Like she's just had uh, like a keystone relationship in her life shift and not had a lot of discussion about it. And I think, although he's trying to reach out, you're right, Roger, she's still processing like what that shift meant. Like the two of them having sex with each other seemed like a really good thing for her. And then, but it's also coming at a time where they didn't talk about it and she was emotional. And so um, I think, you know, he's maybe able to look at it from a different perspective because she He's not coming at it so emotionally about this ex getting married, but um, 
yeah, I, I, th I think even though she's saying things that don't make any sense, um, it's all kind of in that wheelhouse of still trying to uh, process what's going on and what it all means her and how she's going to move forward and what he wants. And if she just keeps what? hearing like what he wants is that she wants the friendship back, that doesn't jive with like him actually having sex with her and changing the nature of their relationship. Right. But I think also part of it, and, and they don't really mention this, but I, I think also the, the idea that, that, you know, Marie is her best friend is going through the, you know, the, the, a, a better relationship than she is right now. You know, yeah. that could also have an effect on her, the way that she's uh, been reacting to this whole thing. I mean, first of all, you know, as soon as the, you know, the the morning after, you know, she calls Marie, she wants to get Marie's advice on things and, you know, or, or at least get her to agree with the fact that, you know, that, that this wasn't the best idea. And then afterwards, you know, we had the scene where she was with Marie while Marie was trying on uh, wedding dresses and Sally is just sitting there eating, you know, M&Ms which could somewhat be, you know, a depression, uh, a sign of depression. You know, that she's sitting there eating chocolate while her friend is, is trying on these dresses and doesn't sound as supportive as one would think that a, a best friend should be, you know? So I, I have a feeling that that part of this whole thing of, of why maybe she isn't able to, to, to really take in this whole thing of what happened with Harry is because she's also dealing with the fact that her best friend is in a, in, is in an amazing relationship and is, you know, in the process of, of about to, you know, walk down the aisle and now she's there and she doesn't feel that comfortable at the wedding also. Yeah. You know, I think that, that that's part of it. Rob, um, Rob but, when would, when would be a good time? Maybe you've talked about this with your previous weeks, but on Roadhouse Minute, we deputized Marcy as our fashion consultant. Have you already talked about, um, Sally's either a wedding dress or B hair. No. Oh, uh, well, we've talked about it. No, we no. You mean the the dress she's wearing at this wedding? So not no, wedding that dress, we haven't her, discussed. Her, her maid of honor dress and her hair. Right. No, we haven't talked about the maid of honor dress. Uh, her hair we've mentioned, but I'm assuming that that Marcy will probably have better insight. So, oh my God, uh, the floor is yours, Marcy. Well, I don't um, want to put Marcy on the spot. A mention like of the hair. <laughs> her. This is this is I think this is this is peak bad hair for Sally. What do you think, Marcy? Well, what did you all notice about her hair? Like, because I have noticed a lot about her hair throughout the whole movie. Did you all notice anything? Well, it was it was it was always the style of the era. Yeah, but she's had a lot of different hairstyles, and at this wedding is when her hair is peak curliness and permiest and like voluminous. Like this is this is the most poodle hair she ever has on her head in the movie yeah i don't know i think i'm agree. i'm disagree with you on that i think when on the night when when she had harry come over that's when her hair was even curlier than it is here yeah but i'm gonna give her a pass you on know? that because she was clearly like in her feelings then like this is this is the way she wanted her hair to be right correct okay yeah she's got crazy hair throughout this whole movie which is you know right you're right it's like based on the era but um, you know, she starts out with like, she had the Farrah Fawcett, Farrah Fawcett uh, hair, right? Look back in the seventies, yep. and then you know she had the the, the straight, uh, I guess, airline stewardess type of hair uh, in nineteen eighty two, and then yep. now 
it's it's more flowing uh curlyish hair i think yeah, yeah, that's I mean, what we've been dealing with for the last year i think there's only one part of this movie where i would say i really like her hair and it's the part where they're like walking through the park and she's wearing that little beret like hat and it's just sort of it's got a little bit of curl to it but it's just straighter it's kind of the way she looks at the very end of well, the no, you movie. can't see her whole head because she's wearing the hat no but oh, yeah. her hair looks the same too at the end of the movie when they're doing their Ugh. little stand-up scene you don't like that that is the worst hair <laughs> in the whole movie wow okay fair. yeah and, like, and and harry harry doesn't look that good there either it's terrible the two of them look really bad like right. at least in this part she has like formed curls in that part, it looks like she's gone through a wind tunnel and used like way too much Aquanet, and then brushed it out. It is a horror show. Well, based um, on our experience on Roadhouse Mercy, I'm used to have a lot of Aquanet. Yeah, I liked what? when. Well, she that was also Aquanet 80s. Come on, what do you? That was... What do you, Marcy? What do you think of this dress? Um, you know, it's not the best. Uh, it definitely has like the long. Um, the length of it makes it look kind of terrible when she has to move, but I don't mind the neckline of it, and I don't really mind the color. But it's like a black black top with green like, like weird, roughy sleeves. Yeah, weird weird silky on the bottom. But bridesmaids dresses are notoriously bad. Your bridesmaids. The thing is, she's the only bridesmaid. Were, your bridesmaids dresses at our wedding were delightful. Thank you. I made them myself. So there you go. <laughs> did did you guys notice that that at the wedding itself there was there were no other bridesmaids and no more ushers? Yeah. It was just the two of them. Yep. You know, so it wasn't as if they, they had a color coordination of all the bridesmaids or anything like that. So it was just Sally, wear whatever you want. <laughs> we want green. Wear green. Yeah. You know, could be. Don't know. Now I, I didn't mention this uh last week. It it just didn't come up in the conversation. But do you know where this wedding is taking place? No. Did you guys uh, no. check that out? Okay, so there is a building known as the Puck Building, which is in Manhattan. It's a historic building and it's on the uh the block of Lafayette, Houston, Mulberry, and Jersey Streets. It's like right there around the that area. And it was actually designed back in uh, 1885. So it's something that's uh, been going. It's been around for a very long time. They 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 did remodeling in the in the early 80s, and then they did more remodeling in the 90s. But one of the things that is very uh, prominent in this building is that uh, there are sculptures of Shakespeare's character Puck from A Midsummer Night's Dream. And hence the name of the Puck Building. That's an oddly specific choice for a location, because if you watch this whole scene, honestly, they could have shot this on a soundstage in wherever they're filming this movie. Like, there are very few actual identifiable building references. Correct. But that, that I got from the uh, commentary. No, I know. I'm just saying, like... <laughs> the com- right. You know, the commentary mentions a lot of... I mean, Rob Reiner chose many different real locations mm-hmm. to, to film a lot of these scenes. You know, so it would be identifiable to people who, you know, are in Manhattan and stuff like that. Yeah, I kind of have at this point this kind of love-hate relationship with movies set in New York City. Because I think, um, you know, there's a lot of iconic architecture and places that people want to be in this kind of like feeling of the vibrancy of the city. And 
you know, there's just been so much of it that at some point, like, it feels very refreshing to have cinema and TV shows set elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like, like, I was thinking about my movie picks when we get to talking about them. And, you know, like, you've got mail that's set in New York City, and it's the same kind of thing. It's like, we're looking at these great city areas where people are living these vibrant lives. And, once again, Nora Ephron. Yeah, and I'm kind of like... <laughs> Apparently, she likes to do that. Yeah, and it's great, but also I feel like I'm kind of ready for something else, you know? Okay, I understand that. I, I can hear what you're saying with that. So there, there's also... The the building was... the Another reason it was named the Puck Building at the beginning was that there was a magazine in the 1800s that was known as Puck Magazine. And uh, it was the home of of the production of of that magazine. And then in the 1980s, they started uh, publishing the magazine Spy Magazine, which uh, hint hint for everybody, it might come up a little bit later this week. Hmm. So Spy Magazine is also connected to uh, this building. So I thought that was uh, very interesting. Cool. And in the ballroom, you can have there's there's two ballrooms there. There's the skylight ballroom, which can accommodate up to 250 guests, and then you have the grand ballroom, which can fit up to a thousand. My guess is they're using the smaller one here. Yeah, this looks like what a, you guys think? a skylight yeah, ballroom. Probably. Yeah. All right. So do do either of you have anything else to say about this minute before we get into the script? Not this minute. I mean, we're gonna finish this argument tomorrow, so maybe I'll we'll okay. I'll save the rest of my comments for, about this conversation until then. Okay. All right. Marcy, you have anything you want to say? No, thanks. Okay. So one of the things that I love about the script is it's very descriptive of all the scenes. You know, Nora Ephron really knows how to uh, set the scene in the script. So, you know, they, they, they finish their conversation about the dog. And then when Sally says, I'm the dog, it says people are starting to notice the intensity of the conversation. Sally is really furious now. She starts... She starts towards a large screen that's a few feet from the end of the room, thinking they can get some privacy if she gets behind it. So in the script, you know, she tries to find she she really tries to find uh, a place to to hide to have this conversation. And then Sally's uh, response is a little different to Harry than in the movie. It's it's she says, "I don't see that, Harry. If anyone's a dog, you're the dog." To you, this is something that just happened, and you think you can say, great, it happened. Now let's get on with it. We'll go back to the way it was. Like, what happened didn't mean anything. And then it says, they reached the screen, but there's no getting behind it. There are folded chairs and the bass player's uh, bass case and the drummer's drum suitcase, etc. Sally reverses and starts towards a door out of the room. Harry follows. And then their, their conversation con- continues, and Sally says, the, the worst mistake I ever made. And then it says, they go through the door Sally was heading for, and now they're in the kitchen. Waiters are banging by with trays, dumping glasses into the sink, opening champagne, etc. Harry and Sally shouting now over the din. And then Harry says, it's always the same. It's always the same. The minute you make love with somebody, the expectations start. And then Sally says, first of all, I'm not someone. Second of all, I don't expect anything from you, okay? Bullshit. You expect me to know how to behave with you now. You don't have to behave anyway with me now, okay? And then Harry has the fine, fine, and then the, the rest of the dialogue in the minute stays the same. So I, I actually like the the extended dialogue. I think it, it gives a little more 
information about what they're both thinking. I mean, I like the way they do it in the movie also, but you know, they they give us some extra dialogue here, which which helps set the scene for what's about to come up even greater. So I, I like that. So so Rob, two things. One, Marcy, Rob is just uh, um, uh, I really I'm excited about the fact that you're reading to us from the script. Marcy, you remember our salad days of reading from the Roadhouse script? Mm-hmm. And what did we think about those additions to the script? Some of them were just bad, weren't they? Yeah, so, uh, Rob, I'm going to push back a little bit. I actually think that the way that they, the what ended up on on to the screen is a punchier version of the dialogue. Um, and like like we found out in Roadhouse, most of the time when they cut stuff out of the shooting script, it gives the gives the action a little bit more velocity and i think that's the case here yeah okay no i, I agree with you on that i'm not, I'm not a, I, I, it's not as if i'm saying that the script is perfect obviously it's not there's a lot of ad libs things are changed you know in, in the in the final cut and i like it but I, I just like the way that this you know i i think that in the movie the conversation goes a little too quickly and that they they, they could have added a little more uh bluster to it See, I, I disagree. To. I feel like the I feel like the best thing about this conversation, it's like it's like a prize fight or a tennis match in the sense that it's like shot, shot, shot. Like if, if I were watching this conversation, my head would just be sort of like ping ponging back and forth between the two of them. And I think that's what makes it so mm-hmm. great. OK. All right. That's fair. That's definitely fair. So every Monday we have a segment called Meg Ryan Monday, where my guests will give their top five Meg Ryan performances. So because you're both here, I, I figured I'll do it in a little fun way. So we'll, we'll we'll do it in a snake fashion. You know, you guys can choose who starts, but one of you will start at number five, and then the other one will go to number five, and then therefore, and then move to the other one. That's how therefore great. three, back and forth. So right. you guys can decide who. Who starts it off well, at number five? Ladies first. Marcy, I think you should go first. Okay. Um, I would say before we get started, I have not seen a lot of Meg Ryan's movies, um, especially things that are more recent to now. So um, I'm probably – You're not missing anything. I pulled oh, out... that's, that is a shot, Rob. I had to Come pull on. out from some of my back catalog here. Wow. Um, my number five is Sleepless in Seattle. Marcy, you want to add anything more about that? Um, well, I would say just a little something for everybody to know about, like, just as I was saying, I'm kind of over New York City as being the backdrop for a lot of movies. I'm also really over rom-coms and I don't <laughs> like them very much anymore at all. I thought you were going to say you're over Seattle being, uh, being, I thought being you were going to say you're over Tom Hanks. No, um, <laughs> I wouldn't, no, I just saw a man called Otto and I thought he was fantastic in that. I really Still like him quite a bit, but well, I am Marcy, a little bit over rom-coms. So. Marcy, guess what? My number five is also Sleepless in Seattle. What? All I right. know. So wow. I think you have sort of hit that. I, I would say I've got three Meg Ryan rom-coms on my list, and this is by far the least of the three. Okay. So what's your number four? Number four, Courage Under Fire, 1996 with Denzel Washington, and she is being investigated for a Medal of Honor. My, uh, Rob, I swear to God, we did not do this ahead of time. That's my number four. Stop it. <laughs> I know it's <laughs> true. So let me add a little bit more to that. So I think Meg Ryan is an underrated dramatic actor, 
and I think the I think the first movie where she sort of got a chance to really not be America's sweetheart was this movie. Courage Under Fire is amazing. I strongly yeah. recommend it to all of you. It's got an amazing, yeah, I'm, I'm a very big fan of it early also. performance. This is one of Matt Damon's earliest on-screen performances, and he is amazing. Um, this movie is great. Like, and and Meg Ryan in, in Courage Under Fire is a badass. Yeah, it also has one of my favorite types of uh, movies or storytelling where you have um, the same scene or incident spoken of by many different perspectives. I really enjoy Yeah, like a, a Rashomon type of thing. Yeah. Marcy, really I re- cool. wouldn't it be funny if we match? I don't think that's going to be the case. What's your I number three? I doubt it. Um, Proof of Life 2000 with Russell Crowe fighting the world trying to find her husband who's been lost in the jungle. Well, see. Kidnapped. Kidnapped. You've, yes, you've, kidnapped you've rated that jungle. movie a little too low. It's going to come up on my list <laughs> as well. Yeah. So I'll tell you what. I'll Why am I not surprised about that, Roger? Uh, we'll talk more <laughs> about that when we get there. Um, my number three is You've Got Mail. Okay. Uh, which I think is, uh, I think it's it's delightful. Uh, yeah. She and Tom Hanks. It's definitely the better Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. Of all the movies, there's three movies with Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. You've Got Mail is by far the best one. Um. Okay. And right, that's fair. Yeah. What was the third? Because we got Sleepless in Seattle. And the third. The third is Joe versus the volcano. Joe versus oh, the volcano. Joe versus the volcano. Yeah, oh, I've never the less really said seen about that, that the better. Movie. Um. <laughs> my number two? number two is Top Gun, where she plays Goose's wife. You think that? All right. That's that's your t- second best Meg Ryan performance. Well, I I kind of bled it into I like that movie a lot. But like yeah. I said when I began, I have not seen a lot of Meg Ryan films. So you're looking at the five that I've seen, and I might have ranked it higher because I like the movie better. She's good in that movie, and I believe that is her on-screen debut. Um and the couple no, of she scenes. Was something else. She, was, she was in something else before. But, well, uh, it, it's but yeah. very it's, it's, early. It's the first one where she stood out. And mm. uh, certainly, certainly the scene that she has after Goose dies is pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, my second favorite movie is is Proof of Life. And I don't think I need to say more. Everybody knows that that is an amazing movie. But if you need proof of it, you should go listen. You can to go listen to my, my episode. To, to Roger talking about it on the Lambcast. That's <laughs> right. Where I, I engineered a uh, massive campaign to get it uh, immortalized in the way that it should. Awesome. Um, my number one is You've Got Mail, 1998. So fantastic. Use of internet. Also, like, uh, <laughs> um, uh, like kind of the takeover of big box stores to little industry, which is really tragic. Um, so many small meet-cutes in little neighborhoods in New York City. I mean, they really play up New York City in a really nice way. As opposed to Ghost, which makes New York City look like a hellhole. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it, if you ever wanted to fall in love with uh, New York, you could watch You've Got Mail and you really would. Um, but I, they just have meet cute after meet cute in that movie. And um, she plays it really lovely. And it's always been one of my favorites. Marcy, it's, it's- Did you know that the, the idea of You've Got Mail came from this movie? Oh, no, that's Cause, fun. Because uh, when Harry and Sally meet each other in the uh, bookstore, which is Shakespeare and Co., so that's uh, a bookstore that, that – yeah. or that particular 
um, that particular location was closed down and Nora Ephron got really upset about that because it was, it was taken over by like borders or some, some big chain. Box so box. therefore it gave her the idea to, you know, to, to modernize shop around the corner and use that same idea of, of, uh, for you've got mail. I did Fine. not know that, but Marcy, it's refreshing to hear you become a populist, uh, <laughs> and advocate for small business. How many, how much money have we spent? For, on Amazon orders this year? Shush. All right. Well, <laughs> we live in the middle of nowhere. It takes us over an hour to get anywhere. That's true. That's true. We do. Well, but you okay. choose to live there. We do. <laughs> we do. So there's a reason that you, apparently you guys like living there, which is which is good. Well, we love this the school where we work. There you go. Um, well, my number one, Marcy. I don't know if you just sort of mentally disqualified this because it doesn't seem didn't seem appropriate is the movie that we're talking about i think it's by far meg ryan's best performance isn't oh. <laughs> and i don't think there's any other I, I think that's number one and everything else is competing for like the four spot well you've also seen when harry met sally a million <laughs> more times than i've seen it i've literally how many times have you seen it twice and a half oh wow okay I, i'm pretty sure i watched a half today kind of on double speed so i could refresh my memory <laughs> I feel confident in saying that this is Meg Ryan's best performance in terms of sort of emotional range and getting to express uh, all sort of all the different things that made us fall in love with her as an actor. Yeah, she's great. All right. Excellent. Thank you both for, for, the, for those lists. It was very refreshing to hear that. Is there anything different in there than your other guests? Did we have any? Is there anything different did we have any every one of those movies any of those every one of those movies has been on someone else's list yeah you know i would expect uh, so you know i mean there there are some of them were rated higher and other people some of them were rated lower you know that, that that's the way these things work i mean roger one of the things you mentioned before was that you thought that uh, courage under fire was her first big dramatic role but her first big dramatic role was actually when a man loves a woman uh, that's fair which she was even nominated for an Oscar for that movie. So, uh, I, sorry, I guess I misspoke. That's the first, like, action movie I could ever remember her being in. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I think it's the only action movie that she's been in also. Oh, she, Proof of Life, although she isn't doing actiony type things in Proof of Life. Yeah, well, that, if you want to talk about that way, so you can say Top Gun is also an action uh, movie. That's you know, fair. Doing... You, have, you, have, you have tangled me up in my twisted web of worms, Rob. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, so you guys want to uh, tell people where they can find Roger and Marcy? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, most of you, uh, perhaps, would, if you like podcasts like this, I would strongly go out and try uh, Roadhouse Minute. You can join our dozen of listeners um, and hmm. enjoy uh, as we go through. I'm the, sure you have more than dozens. Come on. Uh, nope. The, the be- <laughs> nope. The the best uh, the best bad movie of all time, uh, a Patrick Swayze classic. Um, it's fantastic. And get it uh, where all good podcasts can be found. All right, great. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for a movie a minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, or you can go directly to my website, movieaminute.com. So until tomorrow, I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's having. Gave me a thrill with all your faults. I love you still. It had to be you. Wonderful you. 
had to be you.